Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Do you have a lifestyle of being loving and compassionate and merciful and forgiving to others? Or are you judgmental and critical and condemning? In Luke chapter 6, Jesus declared that in the measure we deal with other people, he will measure the same to us. Let's open our Bible now to Luke chapter 6 and learn how we can better obey and live for Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Wednesday morning here in Texas and hope for y'all loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus, growing to love him. Above all, growing to uh, to obey him and, you know, growing to, you know, earnestly repent when uh, when we fall short. Um, again, there's nothing in our lives that will benefit us more, Jason, that will edify us more than spending uh, intentional time with Jesus Christ, our Lord, time in the word of God, in the scriptures, time in prayer, time in thanksgiving, right? Just thanking the Lord throughout our day, uh, time in praise and worship, time in community and fellowship. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's just the greatest privilege we have to spend time with Jesus. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, okay, today, Lord willing, we're going to finish Luke chapter six. Just, just been an incredible chapter. I mean, Jesus just, just, just off the chain here. I mean, thank you, Lord. Um, today we have Luke 6, 37 to, to 49. So Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for our Bible. We thank you that we have these scriptures, Father. I thank you that we have this Bible, Lord, and we just get to read it and study it, Lord, and meditate on it, Lord. I thank you that we we have this Bible as a living manual of what to believe and how to live and, and how to correct our mistakes. I just thank you for your mercy and your goodness, Father. But above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect righteous life for us. We thank you for dying a torturous death for us. And we thank you that you are alive and risen today. And we worship you, Lord Jesus. We worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, Luke 6, 37 to 49. Uh, today is my beautiful wife, May's birthday. She's 44 today. I, I hope it's okay to say that. She looks beautiful. She looks 34. And uh, so I want to say happy birthday to you, sweetheart. And, uh, and I do pray that this is indeed as you begin this 45th year, I pray it is the greatest year of your life in growing to know Jesus and growing to, to love him and growing to know his love for you and growing to, to walk with Jesus and obey him in every aspect of your life. Happy birthday, sweetheart. Also, uh, Tom Anderson, who's, who's uh, the senior elder of our ministry, um, you know, it's his birthday today as well. And uh, Tom has turned... 
53 today. So Tom, as you begin your 54th year, I pray this is the greatest year of your life as well in growing to know Jesus and growing to love him and growing to know his love for you and in growing to, to walk with Jesus and obey him in every aspect of your life. So happy birthday to y'all. Thank you, Jesus. I am thankful for, for both of you very much. All right. Luke 6, 37 to 49. 37, Jesus speaking. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. I mean, now this is this would be off the chain. OK. I mean, all the way off the chain. All right. So I'm going to just. You see how this ends? You see how, I mean, he's been, the gravity of the things he's been telling us, you know, uh, you know, throughout the, you know, these chapters is just overwhelming, right? But look, I'm, and I'm going to start here in 46 so you can feel the gravity of it, okay? Um, I'm going to actually start in 47. 46 is, you know, one of the, the, the strongest verses in the Bible. They're all strong. So remember, Corinne, he's finished teaching now, Right. Uh, meaning he's he's done with this particular, you know, this preaching time, right? This, you know, this sermon, so to speak, he's, he's ending it up. And look what he says in verse 47 to 49. It's profound. I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. Okay. And then in verse 49, but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice, okay? So you'll notice that there's only two groups when it's all said and done, 
Okay. Now, both of these groups are people that go to church, people that listen to teachings like the ones I'm doing. Um, both of the groups are professing Christians. Okay. And they both hear the greatest preacher of all time, by far, Jesus, preach this incredible, this incredible teaching. Right, Chris? And he says in verse 47, I will show you what he is like who three things comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. Okay. Have you come to Jesus and surrendered your life to Jesus? Haven't you, have you given your life to Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior, trusting and relying on him alone, clinging to him alone for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, the deliverance of eternal hell, and ultimately going to heaven when you die? Are you now trusting and relying on Jesus Christ alone? Number one, okay? I will show you what he is like who comes to me. Then he says, and here's my words. Do you have a lifestyle of listening to the words of Jesus, of reading your Bible? If you're consistently listening to these teachings, you're consistently hearing the word of God. Are you in a good, sound, Bible-based church where you're hearing the word of God preached, okay? Or are you consistently looking and looking to, to listen to good, solid Bible preaching? Are you consistently in your Bible? Are you reading your Bible, studying your Bible, hearing the word of God? Okay. Nothing in our lives changes us after we've given our life to Jesus Christ, received him as our only Lord and Savior. Nothing will change us more after that than spending time in the word of God, right? This is God's word to us. Okay. I will show you what he is like who comes to me. Okay. Give your life to Jesus Christ today. And here's my words. Do you have a lifestyle again of spending time in the word of God and hearing the word of God being taught? Okay. It's good to be in a good, solid Bible-based church and hear the word, the word taught. It's extremely good to listen to teachings like these, like I'm giving, that are just teaching the word of God. You want to be in a place where the word of God is being taught. Okay. And, and, and where the word of God is being taught verse by verse by verse by verse. Okay. Um, you want to be in a place where, again, the scripture is continually magnified, where it's about the word of God and the son of God, Peyton, right? The son of God and the word of God. Okay. Um, he is like a man building a house. I'm sorry. I will show you what he is like who comes to me and here's my words, and look at the third thing, and puts them into practice, okay? So after everything he said, and again, we're going to go back here and hear some hard things about, about forgiving and what it means to not judge, right? What it means to not condemn, what it means to be a giver, right? Of, of, of not only your money, but of your time and your talents, to be a giver of mercy, right? To be a giver of forgiveness, to be a giver of love. Right, Benny? All right, Lauren. I will show you what he is like who comes to me, hears my words and puts them into practice. So again, you need to give your life to Jesus Christ and receive him as your savior. You need to be consistently spending time in the word of God, okay? But unless you put it into practice, 
okay? This is what's going to happen. Unless you actually obey the word of God. Now, none of us do this perfectly. That's why we need a savior. Make no mistake. We're not saved from our sin. We don't go to heaven by anything we do. But the stability of our walk with Jesus, the foundation of our walk with Jesus is going to be solidified by how much time you spend in the word of God and how much time you spend obeying it and repent where you fall short. Okay, I'm, I repent daily of different things, of different words I foolishly speak, of, of actions that I may have done wrong, and certainly of thoughts, you know, that, that were not biblical. Okay, we all ought to have a lifestyle of repentance and not under condemnation, not under guilt, not under shame, but under joy. When we look into the scripture and the scripture reflects back to us what's out of place, it's a joy and an excitement that we get to fix it, Tommy. Right. Bam. All right. So when you have these three things in place, okay, you've come to Jesus and surrendered your life. And as John 1, 12 says, received him to all who received him, Jesus. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, okay? Um, you've received Jesus, and now you're consistently hearing the word of God by, number one, reading it yourself, meditating on it yourself, studying it yourself, and then listen to teachings like these, right? Whether it's online or in church, but hearing the word of God being taught, right? Um, but that third thing, and you're laboring to obey it, you're laboring to put it into practice, you're laboring to do what it says. Look what he says in 48. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. When you have those three things in line, okay, you have a strong foundation. Okay. And when the troubles, when he says, when, when a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but it could not shake it. What he's saying is when the trials and difficulties and hardships and just the beatings of this life come in whatever way they come spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, in whatever way, right? The difficulties come, Lauren, honey, right? Lauren is my daughter. And whatever the ways that these difficulties come, your foundation is strong because you've surrendered your life to Jesus and received him as your savior. You're consistently in the word of God and hearing the word of God taught, okay? And you're, and you're laboring to practice it and obey it and repent when you fall short. That is a foundation built on rock. And when the difficulties of life come, you won't fall away from Jesus. You'll go deeper into Jesus, okay? But look at 49. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice, only two times of people, they all came and heard the greatest preacher of all time, right, Father Rick, preach the greatest sermon of all time, okay? They heard the words. You can be spending time in your Bible, okay? Unless you've given your life to Jesus, nothing else matters, okay? That's the beginning of everything is humbling yourself surrendering yourself and receiving Christ as your savior. And we'll talk how to uh, talk about how to do that here before the teaching ends. Okay. But the, 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 all the people heard this Remember, great crowds could have been thousands listening to this, but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice, only two kinds of people. When Jesus is preaching this sermon in Matthew seven, he says, one is wise and the other are fools. 
And, and they're all in church, so to speak. They're all listening to the word of God being taught. They're listening to teachings like mine. The one heard the word of Jesus and obeyed it. Verse 49, but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice, okay? The only difference, okay, is that the one group diligently labored to have a lifestyle of obeying the word of God. And of course, none of us are perfect, but they look to repent. They're consistently examining themselves. Look where they can, they can put things in order that are out of order. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. When we do not have a lifestyle, again, not perfect, but when we do not have a lifestyle, Scotty, of doing what the word of God says, of obeying the word of God, of putting it into practice, when the troubles of this life come, when the difficulties of life come, when the hardships, and they do come, they ultimately come to all of us again, and, and physically in our, in our health, emotionally, in our mind, and in our, you know, just in our thoughts, uh, relationally in different relationships, we have hardships and difficulties, right? Um, you know, spiritually, right? We have, a, we have an enemy, the devil and, and spiritual forces, demonic beings that are consistently trying to attack us. Um, and financially, right? When hard times come, when these things come and you have not had a lifestyle and you do not have a lifestyle of obeying the word of God, then the difficulty of these trials and the hardships and, 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 and the way that you pursue Christ, um, Jesus says it's, you, you don't have that strong foundation. And so we, we collapse because we have not labored to obey the word of God. So where are you today? Okay, look at verse 46. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? There's a difference between a genuine Christian that is calling Jesus Lord, Lord, and all of us need to be professing with our mouth, Jesus as Lord, Lord. All of us need to. But there's a difference between a genuine Christian who's calling him Lord, Lord, and really has no lifestyle of doing what Jesus would have him to do. You may go to church on Sunday. You may dress up nice. You may say amen. You may dance when you worship, right? But is there a Monday to Saturday lifestyle of doing these same things for Jesus, of living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, Stephen, giving for Jesus and forgiving for Jesus, right? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say, right? Again, there are Christians that are genuine when they say Lord, Lord, and there's others that say Lord, Lord, but they're professing Christians, but they don't have a lifestyle of obeying him. They don't have a lifestyle of spending time in the word of God. They don't have a lifestyle of repentance and of praise and worship. And again, wherever you are today, all of us, the entire church and the entire world today, every church, every little building you see, the body of Christ in general, we all just need to stop and repent because all of us need to do a better job. So hear me when I say no one's perfect. We're not talking about perfection. But all of us need to have a lifestyle of living for Christ and giving for Christ and forgiving for Christ 
more and more and more. But when he when he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Meaning just because you say it doesn't make it true. It's your lifestyle that makes it true. Okay. It's, it's when you live for Jesus that, that he is in practical fact, your Lord, right? Now, again, I don't want to confuse salvation with this. You're, you're saved from your sin and you go to heaven when you die, not by anything you do, but by receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior, by humbling yourself at the feet of Jesus and simply confessing to Jesus your desperate need in him, your hopelessness and your helplessness. Remember, John 1.12 says that to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you genuinely received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Romans 3.23 says that all human beings are sinful. Every one of us has sinned and fall short of God's holy standard. We all need a savior and we're not it. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves, right? Jesus out of his own mouth in John 14.6 said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. All 8 billion people in the world today Everyone that's alive today, everyone that's ever lived, needs Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul. Those are his words, okay? If you're not sure that you're genuinely trusting in Christ, maybe you'd say, you know, I, I believe in Jesus, but I don't know if I'm, I'm really trusting in him. And, you know, when you say I believe in Jesus, it doesn't mean to, to give intellectual assent to the existence of Christ, right, Corinne? It means that you genuinely understand your sinful state, and that only in Jesus Christ can you be forgiven of those sins. Of those sins, only in Jesus Christ can you come into relationship with the Triune God. Only in Jesus Christ can you escape eternal hell, and only in Jesus Christ can you go to heaven when you die. So, if you're not sure, just just humble yourself before Jesus. And Romans ten thirteen says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you're just going to call out to him. Now, hear me. It's not our words that save us. You don't just puppet these words. It's the genuineness of your heart, the sincerity of your heart that obviously matters. But we do use our words to communicate our heart to the Lord, right? So just humble yourself now and, and just pray to him, Lord Jesus, I, I know that I'm a sinful person, Lord. Lord, I know that I am hopeless and helpless and desperate without you. But Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. And I believe you came into this world. And I believe that you lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect sinful death even for me. And Lord Jesus, and Lord, I believe you died a, sin, a sinless perfect death even for me. And I believe you are alive and risen today. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence and hope in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's how you become a Christian. And I've said this over and over, and this is, this is a perfect time to say this. It's not the words that save us. I normally say those words generally, you know, 
perfectly. But I stumbled on those words, okay? Um, I didn't say I had to correct myself, you noticed. But it's your heart before Jesus that matters. It's genuinely coming before Jesus, acknowledging your hopelessness without him, and running to the foot of the cross and humbly asking him to be the Lord of your life and placing your trust and confidence in him alone to save you. And if you'll do that, you will become a Christian today. You'll come to spiritual life. And everything that he says here will now be possible for you. Until you come to Jesus, nothing he says here is possible. Look at verse 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now, this is one of the most often quoted verses by non-Christians or by, you know, disingenuine Christians. Um, it's, it's consistently quoted by the world that Jesus said, don't judge. So what does he mean here when he said, do not judge? Because in, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 2, I believe it's 15, Paul said that the, sp the spiritual mature man and woman of God makes judgments about everything which is to say the more mature we are in Christ, the more we grow, the more in everything, first in our own life, we look to call right, right, and wrong, wrong. We look to be objective in, in everything. We look to make objective judgments based on what the word of God teaches in every aspect of our life and ourselves first and then with others, right? But it has to begin with ourselves. And the more mature we are, the more we look to examine ourselves and make judgments about what's right in our life and what's wrong. And then we also help others with that, right? We simply call right, right, and wrong, wrong. But what's important is the heart in which we do it. You know, I, I have failed in this in my life. There are times when I have made judgments and I've done it out of pride and conceit and arrogance. And Lord, I, I ask you to forgive me. And, it, and it's horrible. When Jesus says, do not judge, do not judge, or you will be judged, he's talking about the heart. He's saying, don't be judgmental. Don't be critical. Don't be condemning. Don't be condescending. And if we look at our hearts, don't be superior. Don't think that you're something. And Lord, I ask you to forgive me where I failed in this and I ask you to help us one and all, Lord Jesus, in the fear of God to to really correct ourselves in this. Do not judge or you will, and you will not be judged. And what he's saying is do not be judgmental to others. Don't be, you know, critical in your attitude. Don't be condemning. Don't be condescending. Don't act in a superior way, right? When, when you make a judgment to simply tell a brother or sister in Christ that, listen, this behavior is, is out of line. It's not in line with the word of God. All the while knowing your own frailty, you know, frailties, okay? Um, so you're required to make judgments, but not to be a condescending, judgmental person that thinks everyone is beneath us, right? And that's where we want to earnestly repent. And almost all of us ought to be able to look into our lives and just see the areas where we behave this way. And we need to repent in the fear of God. Forgive us, Lord. And he says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn. You will not be condemned. Forgive 
and you will be forgiven. So most of the time when we're making judgments, it's because we believe we've been wronged or people we love have been wronged or people we're in relationship have been wronged. Okay. When, when we make judgments, again, we have to call right, right and wrong, wrong, but the attitude and heart in which we do it, I mean, we ought to have a fear of God. If you're doing it with a pompous, arrogant, superior attitude, and I've already confessed I've done this, we in fear need to repent and do it correctly, okay? We need to do it with as pure a heart as we know how, right, May? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, right? We, 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 until, we, until our heart is pure in understanding who we're not, then, then it's hard to see the Lord in any aspect of our lives. It's not talking about going to heaven, right? It's, it's seeing God move. It's seeing Jesus work in all the various aspects of your life. And the, the more pure our heart is in truth, the more we'll see Jesus alive and working in every aspect of our lives. Now he's doing it either way, but when you see it happening and you experience it, this whole thing gets more exciting. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. It's not for us to condemn. Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The only thing that condemns us is if we're still in our sin, not in how we're living, but because we haven't given our lives to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. But look what he says, forgive and you will be forgiven. Do you have a lifestyle of forgiving people when they've mistreated you, when they've misjudged you, when they've disrespected you? This is often hard to do. I've said this before. When we have a problem genuinely forgiving and forgiveness, make no mistake, is shown in its actions and in its words. You don't just say, I forgive someone and then continually talk poorly about them. If you say, I forgive someone and you continually bring up the wrongs they've done, you have not forgiven them. And I'm preaching to myself. Okay. So let me say that again. It's in case y'all were confused there. Okay. If you consistently say, or if you just say the words, you know, I've forgiven someone, doesn't matter what they've done, okay? Could be Hitler. You could say, I forgive him, right? But if you continue to speak negatively about them, then your forgiveness is certainly suspect. And it's certainly imperfect, okay? Genuine forgiveness seeks the best for that person that has wronged you in whatever way they have. Jesus says, forgive and you will be forgiven. The only reason we have trouble forgiving is we don't know how bad we ourselves really, really are. If we understood how heinous our sin is, how corrupt we really are, how much creatures of hell we really are outside of Christ, forgiveness would be much easier for us. And the more you have a lifestyle of forgiveness, the more your heavenly father will forgive you. The more we have a lifestyle of forgiving others, the less he'll have to discipline us for, for, for ungodly lifestyles that we all have in certain ways, right? Verse 38, give and it will be given to you. Okay, now what he's, what he's talking about here is everything. First of all, are you giving mercy are you giving forgiveness? Are you giving compassion? Are you giving love? Or do you just consistently give critical, condescending, right? Conceited, arrogant judgment. 
Again, repentance is the greatest tool in our toolbox. Anyone hearing this ought to admit, yeah, I do have time. There are times where I don't do that very well. And the good news is Jesus just, just wants you to repent and just admit it and say, Lord, help me. I need help. I do this a lot. Give and it will be given to you. 38, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. And here it is. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Wow. Did you hear that? Listen to what Jesus said. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This, this is a spiritual law wrap written into the fabric of the universe, right? For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. There's, there's no escaping it. Are you a giver? Okay. Are you a giver of mercy? Are you a giver of compassion? Are you a giver of love? Uh, you know, are you a giver of forgiveness? Are you a giver of your time? Are you a giver of your gifts and talents? And, and obviously, are you a giver of your money and, are, and of your resources? Or do you use 98% of everything you have on you, yourself, your wife, your kids, your life, your home, your cars, your fun? Are you a giver? Because he says, give and it will be given to you. The words are not ambiguous, Leah, right? Uncle Dennis is clear. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure. Do you give of yourself with a good measure or a little measure? Do you give of your time with a, with a, with a good measure, May, or just a little measure, right? We're kind of jealous over our time. Do y'all give of your time and your talents and yeah, your money with a good measure? Are you generous or are you kind of tight? You just do it, you know, a little bit. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure. Press down. I mean, do you have to press it down? I mean, you got so much that you're giving in the way of love and forgiveness and compassion and time and talents and energy and money. You got to press it down to make more room because you got so much given. Press down. Shaken together. I mean, you got you to gotta shake it up. There's just so much of this coming out you. A good measure. Press down, shaken together and running over. Okay. Do you have this lifestyle? Now this says will be poured into your lap. But then he says, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So do you got an overflowing given, Jesse? Again, different, depending on where we are, all of us struggle with different things of giving. Some of us are very generous financially. But boy, don't ask for none of our time because we're stingy with our time. And others are being, you know, maybe willing to give time, but don't ask me to use my gifts and talents for Jesus. I mean, I'm using that for my job to make a lot of money for me so I can keep up this nice lifestyle with my nice houses, my nice houses, my nice cars, Matthew. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't ask me to use my gifts and talents for the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ. Just say. Hey. Okay? So for with the measure you use. It will be measured to you. And again, that is a profound black and white objective statement. Now, now, there's always mercy. If we ever got what we deserved, we'd all immediately get help. Okay. So the Lord shows mercy on us, but do you give mercy? <laughs> all right. 39. He also told him this parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? <laughs> Can't do it. 
Will they not both fall into a pit? Who do you have leading you? This is why it is imperative, okay? I have, by the grace of God, I have got, I don't know, a couple of dozen, right? Very good, very close, intimate relationships for people who speak into my life, men and women, okay? For whatever reason, you know, whether it's on these sermons, consistently people are sharing their thoughts and their views and their opinions, and that's a good thing. Okay, I'm going to answer those in as, as candid a manner as I can. And we are a kingdom discipleship. But for whatever reason, people feel free. Right. And all the people that I've worked and disciple with, they're free to speak into my life. Okay, um, And, you know, it's important. That those. Who you are under in leadership. It's important that those you are leading are not blind, okay? Because they, you know, wherever you are today in your walk with Jesus, your spiritual leaders, those men and women in your life, I'm not talking about pastors at church, okay? You need to be in a, in a good, solid, you know, Bible-based church. That's a good thing, okay? But if you have no relationship with any of your pastors at church, right, if, you know, if if none of them have any time for you except to shake your hand on Sunday, then they're not leading you, okay? You can be listening to my teachings, okay? And, and I'm trying to drive you home, but only listening to my teachings is in itself not enough. You need to have personal relationship. Now, obviously, if people are listening to this in different parts of the world and different parts of the country, and if I'm on the phone with you or some of the elders at Kingdom Discipleship or deacons are doing it, hopefully in our ministry, we're trying to get a hold. But obviously, as it gets bigger, it's harder. But your leaders need to be people who are leading you in the word of God. The only authority in your life is the word of God and the son of God. And that needs to be their heart and their agenda for you to see you growing in the son of God and in the word of God in every aspect of your life. So who's leading you? Can a blind man lead a blind man? The obvious answer is no. Jesus is answering the question. Will they not both fall into a pit? So you want to examine, you know, who is, is the leadership in your life? Okay. And what are they leading you on? Okay. You don't need any man's opinion. You don't need any one man's opinion. You certainly don't need my opinion. You need leaders that are just teaching you the word of God, that are exhorting you in the Bible. Okay. Chloe, that are just driving you in the scriptures to be like Jesus. Okay. To live for Jesus, to love for Jesus, to give for Jesus, to forgive for Jesus, and to do all these things we're speaking about. A blind man can't lead a blind man, okay? If someone is not in Christ, they're spiritually blind. They cannot know God in any manner or in any way. But you also want a leader that needs to be in Christ and is constantly practicing these things and exhorting you in them. Now, don't get me wrong. They're not going to be perfect. And you want to make sure, again, in your judgments, you're not identifying people by their weaknesses, okay? All of us make mistakes. I, Frankly, I make more than most, okay? And, and sometimes people do identify me by my weaknesses, but hopefully those who know me best believe my strengths outweigh my weaknesses. But, you know, someone can do good to us for 20 years. They could say one thing we don't like and we write them off. Okay. Then the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Okay. We don't identify people's whole lives by their mistakes. 
if they have a lifestyle of growing in Christ, of walking with Christ, of talking about Jesus, of serving others in Jesus, that Jesus is always on their lips. Again, these are the kind of leaders you want. They're not going to be perfect, but they also repent where they fall short, right? Can a blind man lead a blind man? He answers the obvious question. Will they not both fall into a pit? Don't have blind leaders. And let's look at ourselves and make sure we're not blind leaders. Verse 40, a student is not above his teacher. Who is your teacher? Now, obviously, Jesus is all of our teachers. Jesus is our shepherd, our teacher, our God, our master, our king. Never will we be above him. But look when he says this, a student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Who are your pastors, your teachers, your spiritual leaders? When, when you look at them, and again, not just see, this is why you have to know them. This is why you have to be in relationship with your pastors and your elders and the deacons and the spiritual leaders. Because until you know them privately and personally in your life, how can you be like them? You know almost nothing about a man or woman by what you see Sunday morning. Okay, You know very little about a pastor if all you see is see him talk up there Sunday morning. You want to see him in his day-to-day -day life. You want to see her, right, in her day-to-day -day life. You want to be in relationship with them. The old church fathers used to say, a man or woman only has as much authority in your life as they have relationship with you, okay? There is no relationship by a handshake on Sunday, right, and just, you know, listening, you know, listening to a sermon, okay? Again, it's good to do that. I'm imagining most of the people listening to this maybe don't have intimate relationship with me. So certainly you want to take what I'm saying and live it. But for me to have authority in your life, I have authority to teach the word of God and that you need to obey the word of God. But my personal authority only comes to the extent that I have relationship with you. And all those who have relationship with me, I said I, I probably have a couple dozen, maybe more people that I'm in deep and intimate relationship with me, right? Several of them more mature than I am that are able to speak into my life, but who I know have my best interest at heart, right? Um, wow. A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Who is training you? Who is pouring into you? And, 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 and is it clear that they're above you in their walk with Jesus? Okay. Now listen, there, there are gifts the Lord has given. There's a zeal the Lord has given. And, you know, not not everyone, you know, few people in my life have the same zeal and focus and intensity that I do. But it doesn't mean they don't speak into my life and they can't give me wisdom. Right. But a student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. So who's training you? I already said Jesus Christ is our ultimate teacher and trainer. But you ought to have leaders in your life that you're in consistent relationship with beyond Sunday morning that are training you and building you up and helping you to be like they are in their focus in Christ, right? Um, you know, um, Paul said in, uh, what is it? First Corinthians 11, one, you know, imitate me as I imitate Christ, right? We ought to have leaders in our life like that. And again, they're not gonna be perfect, right? Me least of all, okay? 41. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? This is amazing here. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye 
when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your, your eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is profound. This is overwhelming. I was praying yesterday on the way to, to Bible study. I was asking the Holy Spirit. I said, Holy Spirit, help me today to get the plank out of my own eye that I, that I may better minister to others. Do you have a lifestyle of asking the Lord? Every single one of us ought to open our day. And again, I never heard anyone say this. And again, because I, I make this mistake seemingly consistently, that's why the Holy Spirit shares this with me. But I was asking the Holy Spirit, would you please, I forget the exact words, but Holy Spirit, help me, I pray, to get the plank out of my own eye that I might better minister my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's a prayer that all of us do well to pray every day. Now notice what the focus Jesus wants you to have here, okay? So this is when we're speaking to others about things that are wrong in their lives. This is when we're making hopefully godly judgments with the right heart, not with pride or superiority, right? Or thinking we're wiser or better or whatever, but just, you know, lovingly exhorting our brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus said, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? We ought to be far more concerned about the things that are out of line in our lives more than we are about what's out of line in other lives made. Do you see that? Because you're supposed to get the plank out of your own eye. So you ought to view the things that are out of line in your own life like a log like a plank. And you ought to extend mercy to others and view the things that are out of line in their life as a speck. My, 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 my. Okay. Try to think of that, Kristen, right? Try to let that sit, Nathan. Okay. Jesus expects you to, to see the things that are not right in your own life as planks and the things that are not right in others as specks. Okay, we all could just fall on our face right now, right? And just, Lord, just say, forgive us. Because that's not what we do. The vast majority of us believe that we have these little specks in our eyes, right, Wendy? And everybody else got the plank in their eye. But notice that's not how it reads. Bam. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye. You yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. Forgive us, Lord. You hypocrite. Verse 42. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So it is our job to help our brothers and sisters in Christ to fix the things that are out of place in their life. But we ought to have such an intensity of focusing on the things in our lives. And believe me, we do have things that are out of line. The irony with all of this, right? And this is particularly the case I have found with Christian ministers, with pastors, uh, with elders, um, with deacons, with church leaders, right? That, that almost other discerning people can see the plank in this person's eye, but they themselves cannot see it. And I have no doubt this is the case with me, right? There are areas where I have a plank in my eye, but I can't see it, right? So the operation of this is such an important function. 
okay? And the more we grow in Christ, the more susceptible we are to pride and thinking we know what we're doing, right? And, and again, if you're always in a position where you think you're the leader, you're the father, you're the one giving the advice, and also if you have a, a very hard time taking counsel from those you think are, quote, below you, which in itself violates the heart of everything Jesus is saying here, that's something for you to look at as well, okay? Consistently, the Lord seems to bring people into my life that share things with me that, that haven't walked with Christ in the same way that I have, that don't have the same intensity, that don't have the same focus, but sometimes they'll say something and I'll just have to say, help me, Lord Jesus. It's, you know, sometimes that's hard because, you know, we're the big shots, right? We're the pastors, you know, we're the elders, we're the, we're the church leaders, we're the bosses. It's ridiculous. Forgive us, Lord. Help us, Lord. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? Holy Spirit, help us, one and all, to just to see the areas of our life that are out of place, to see the hypocrisy in our life and to repent in the name of Jesus. And then after that, Lord, help us to, to have a lifestyle of, of lovingly, Lord, without judgment, without being critical, but lovingly exhorting our brothers and sisters in Christ with the things that are out of line in their life. All right, let's finish up. Verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Again, you understand it's extremely objective. It's black and white. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. There's only two kinds of trees, okay? If you're a genuine Christian today, if you are in Christ today, okay, there will be some good fruit in your life, okay? Now, it may be hard to see it, okay? Because we're all at different places in our sanctification, in our, in our maturity in Christ, in our growing in Christ. But if you're in Jesus Christ today, there ought to be, there ought to be an outward evidence that you're in Christ. There ought to be some desire for Jesus. There ought to be some love for Jesus. There ought to be a time where you're talking about Jesus and it's not in church. Jesus ought to be on your lips uh, and, and, you know, in serving people in Jesus, right? Giving your time to just to want to see the kingdom of God advanced and, and, and again, it ought to be about Jesus, not just about me or my ministry or my church, okay? Again, it's one of the horrible problems we have in the body of Christ is we, we all have our own individual agenda. We all care about what's going on at our church or our ministry, right? And, and that's what we're always promoting when we ought to be promoting the kingdom of God, the son of God, and the word of God, and letting the, letting the other handle ourselves. And again, I'm guilty of this. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. Again, is there a recognizable fruit in your life? And again, fruit is just an intentionality and not the advancement of church, but it's an intentionality in the advancement of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus. It's an, intention, it's an intentional, recognized intentionality in in, in serving Jesus and exhorting others to live for Jesus and repenting for Jesus um, in, in serving the kingdom of God and the word of God and the son of God and, and helping others to do that, right? 
Do you have that as a lifestyle? And it is a growing lifestyle. Again, you may be in the beginning of this, but is it a little bit by little bit more and more are people recognizing you as a Christian or is it you're just a closet Christian? If you're a genuine Christian today, if you've genuinely received Jesus, there ought to. Now, again, we're not perfect. You know, sometimes, you know, uh, you know, people are genuine Christians and we can see very little fruit. And First Corinthians 3 says, you know, they get to heaven only by escaping the flames. They genuinely receive Jesus, but they, they had nothing to show for their life. And Kristen, that's not what we want. Right. My daughter, Kristen, always says that's not what she wants. Right. She's saved. She's going to heaven, but she wants to see her life count for something. Right. And not just being saved. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. How are you recognized? Again, we don't, we don't judge people by, again, their, their mistakes. So again, if someone is consistently having fruit, consistently talking about Jesus, that's obvious fruit, right? They're not going to be perfect, right? And certainly pastors aren't perfect, right? People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. What do you have stored up in your heart? Do you have good stored up in your heart? Are you storing up the word of God in your heart? Are you putting deposits in your heart? Again, when you listen to these teachings, yes, that's putting a deposit in your heart. Do you have time in prayer and putting deposits in your heart? Time in just thanking Jesus, putting deposits in your heart. Time in it's serving the kingdom of God and the son of God with your time, talents, and money. Are you generous, right? This is all storing up and putting deposits in your heart. Because 45 said the good man, and it means the good man or woman and all this, brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. But if you don't have good stored up, you got nothing to bring out. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And what he's saying there is if your entire lifestyle is, is self-serving and selfish and always just storing up more for you, storing up more bitterness, storing up more anger, storing up more forgiveness, storing up more judgmentalism, right? As you store that up, okay, that's what's going to come out. The more Jesus you store up, that's what's going to come out, right, Becky? My, 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 Lord, help us. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Again, none of us are perfect, but what comes out of your mouth, okay? There are times when ridiculous things have come out of my mouth, and I repent, Lord. I'm sorry. But hopefully the, the lifestyle that I have is consistently bringing Jesus out of our mouths, right? Do you and do your leaders consistently speaking? And again, I, I can't stress enough, not just on Sunday, but throughout their lives, are they, are they speaking for Jesus and talking about Jesus, what is the passion of their heart? Is the passion of their heart Jesus or their own families, their own wives, their own kids, their own friends, their own ministries, their own churches? And then we already saw Jesus. We already talked about how it all ends. There's two types of people. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I'll show you what he is like who comes to me. Give your life to Jesus. Here's my words. Give your life to the word of God and puts them into practice. And if you'll have a lifestyle of doing all these things and obeying the word of God and humbly repenting when you fall short, this is a daily lifestyle. And when the difficulties come, you know, your foundation in Jesus will remain strong. Father, we love you and we bless you and we thank you. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. We ask you to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, Lord.
Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this teaching. Lord, just please help us. Help us, Lord Jesus, to walk these out. Holy Spirit, I ask you to convict us in all these things and help us to be more like Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, we love you. We bless you. We praise you. And we thank you this day. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.